to a night deed poll. My name is Apostle Milton Jones. I want to welcome you, welcome you, welcome you to the broadcast tonight. I guarantee you this if you have ears to hear, if you've made a decision in your heart, man, I'm going to receive a right now Rama word, a word that's going to ultimately change my life forever. I guarantee you, you will receive it tonight. If you come with eyes ready to see, ears ready to hear, and your heart is ready and receptive to receive the engrafted word of God that will ultimately change your life forever. Man, with everything that's going on in society today, everything that's going on in the world today, there's one thing we must know for sure, and that's how to triumph doing troubling times. Again, I said how to triumph through troubling times. I know here in the in the nation of Canada, even in this in the city of Ottawa recently last week, we had severe thunderstorms and tornadoes that went through the cities. It's, it's the, and the damage is unlike anything that's ever happened in this city before. Even with all the ice storms and the last tornado that, that touched down back in 2018, man, this thing came out of nowhere. And people were not prepared and not sure how to navigate through these troubling times. And, and as I was studying this week, it was placed on my heart. It's like, you know, one of the things you really need to begin to share with the people was how to triumph through troubling times. And I'm going to tell you ahead of time, we will not get through all of it today, but I guarantee you, if you stay connected, if you take good notes, because this is something that's going to be practical. It's not something that's just going to be spiritual. It's going to have spiritual principles, but there is also a practical side, and you need both in order to get God's results concerning this matter. Do I have your attention? Are you interested? If so, Lift your hands with me as I make this declaration that the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. For he has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, and to open up the prison to them that are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, a day of vengeance of our God, and to comfort all who mourn. Glory be to God in the highest. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil for joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And for those who are the spirit of the Lord upon, and they shall build the old ways, and they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolation of many generations. Father God in heaven, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Father, we give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise. We thank you for this opportunity in your word. Father, I thank you that our preacher and teacher will not be with the types of words of man's wisdom, but let it be in demonstration of spirit and power. Holy Spirit, you're welcome. Have your way. Move up and down each and every hour. Touch each and every person, move up in everyone's household, touch a life today, restore today, refresh today, renew today. We declare that it is done and that it is so right now. In Jesus' name, let us all say amen. Now, we're talking about how to triumph doing troubling times and we're going to make this declaration i'm asking you to make this declaration with me and say this with me this is my bible <laughs> the bible is god speaking to me the bible is the truth it reveals what i should think it tells me what i should believe it tells me how i should walk the word of God is the most important thing in life. Say that with me. The word of God is the most important thing in life. Man, if you don't have that settled, if you don't have that as a benchmark or, or a foundational piece of your life, you will be going from, from pillar to post trying to seek all different kind of ways. And God says, in my word, my constitution with you is your life i will show you the directions of life i will show you what it is how you should think i will tell you how you should believe i'll tell you how it should walk all those things are listed in the word of god so father we thank you today we thank you for your word we thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet it is a light to our path your word father have we hid in our hearts that we might not sin against you father we thank you right now in the name of jesus the burdens will be removed yokes will be destroyed today lives will be forever changed as a result of hearing this word father as we hear this word today 
we're expected a rhema word, word spoken it to us that will ultimately change our lives forever. And Father, we're ever mindful to give you alone all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise that is due your name. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Let us all say amen. Now, again, the title of this message, our title of these next couple of messages is Triumphing Through Troubled Times. Turn your neighbor and say, neighbor, it is God's desire for you to triumph through troubling times. Turn to someone else and say, hey, neighbor, it is God's desire that you triumph through troubling times. And then point to yourself and say, hey, look at yourself in the mirror and say, hey, it is God's desire that we triumph through troubling times. How do you know that's the truth? Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, according to the New James. King James Version says this, it says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. So it is God who will always lead us to triumph in Christ, and through us he diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. So when God is bringing you through triumph, he's not just going to bring you through, but he's also going to provide knowledge, and people will be able to see his knowledge, his wisdom, his insight, his direction, and, and revelation that will actually bring you through and cause you to triumph and be able to share with other people as well. Glory be to God. So you got to understand, remember we've been talking about over the last few weeks how Jesus came that you to give you life jesus didn't just come because he had life but jesus came that he might give you life how do you know that's the truth well in accordance to john chapter 10 verse 10 it says this it says the thief talking about the adversary he only comes to do three things three things he is his omo his whole mode of operation is to accomplish these three ta tasks in your life number one he comes to steal he comes to kill and he comes to destroy now you ask what is it that he's coming to steal what is he wanting to kill and what is he trying to destroy well the first thing we talked about a few a couple weeks ago was he's coming to try to steal your identity he's coming to try to kill your purpose and he's ultimately trying to come to destroy your life we shared a few weeks ago how he he did this when it came to adam and eve in the garden he did the same thing when it came to when jesus was in the wilderness and you can guarantee he's still trying to do the same thing in your life today but you are the deciding factor whether he's ever going to be able to steal your identity whether he's ever to kill your purpose and ultimately if he's able to destroy your life how can you say that's true because the second part of that verse says this the thief this is what he comes to do he comes to steal he comes to kill he comes to destroy but it also says in that same verse but jesus says but i came jesus came on the scene so that he may that you may have life and that you might not not just have life but have life in abundance according to the amplified in abundance to the full until it overflows what kind of life are you talking about that word life there is zoe which means eternal life the eternal life of god in other words the divine life uniquely possessed by god in other words he's coming to restore back on earth the way it was in the garden even before adam and eve fell he came to restore the kingdom he came to restore to you the life the zoe type of life that adam and eve had in the garden before they bowed their knee to the adversary. Now, when we was going through that situation last week, people came up with all kinds of things. Man, God is doing this to bring about judgment. God is trying to teach his people something. God is trying to teach the world something. Can I share something with you? God never uses chaos to try to get uh, a lesson to you. You want to know the reason why that is? Because, first of all, you got to ask the question, where is he going to get it from? Because there's no evil, there's no darkness, there's no shadow of turning in God anywhere. So where is he going to get it from? Second, you got to say this, what happens if you go through the chaos, but you don't learn the lesson and you die or you're destroyed before you learn the object of the lesson? God does not need to use a storm. God does not need to use chaos. God will not use tragedy to try to teach his people something 
How do you know? I'm going to show it to you in two different places. And according to 1 Kings chapter 19, this is the prophet Elijah, and he's running for Jezebel, and God is saying to him, he's, he's looking for God in all the wrong places. And this is what God said to him in verse number 11. He says, and he, talking about God, says, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind rent or tore the mountains and broke it in pieces, the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, what was it? A sound of a gentle stillness and still small voice. How was God talking? In a gentle small voice. He did that with the prophet Elijah. He'll do that with you. He does that with me. He does that with whosoever will have ears to hear. He does not need an earthquake. He does not need winds. He does not need fire in order to get your attention. That will, man, that would make God unjust. God is a loving God. You said, okay, that's one. Give me another verse that shows that God doesn't need to use chaos, tragedy, and triumph in order to get a lesson to you. Turn with me, if you will, over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Still talking about triumphant in troubling times. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 says this. Again, I'm reading out an Amplified Classic Version. It says, every scripture is God breathed, given by his inspiration. And it's profitable, which means it's beneficial. Every scripture for God is beneficial for what? For instruction, for reproof, for conviction of sin, for correction of error and discipline and obedience and for training in righteousness, in holy living and conformity to God's will and thought purpose and action so what did it say that god uses to bring about correction to bring about instruction to bring about conviction of sin to bring about obedience and discipline he uses his word he uses his word to do it he doesn't use chaos he doesn't use tragedy he doesn't use because what happens is is you will be so focused on what's going on you won't be able to hear that still small voice what it also says is so and why does he use this word so that the man of god may be complete and proficient well fitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work god uses his word in order to correct he uses word in order to reprove he uses word in order to bring about conviction he uses he it didn't say he uses his word to bring about condemnation it says it brings about conviction or convincing or to try to point you and turn you in the right direction now a lot of people when they watch the broadcast they're like man you sure do a whole lot of teaching why do you teach so much why don't you just hoop and holler and all that it goes? well because the man that's not the mandate our mandate once you understand your mandate or once you understand your why then you understand the what once you understand why you do why it is you do what you do then you can understand the what this is what i'm going to do and this is why my our mandate is simple we can find it in uh, matthew chapter 28 it's not just our mandate though it's a mandate to the church is our mandate is found in matthew chapter 28 verse number 19 which says this it says go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit teaching them to observe all things that i have commanded you and lo i am with you always even until the end of the age amen who's doing the talking here jesus who is he talking to his disciples when is he talking to them right after he resurrected from the dead after going to the cross he showed himself before many witnesses for uh, for a period of time for, for 40 days showing himself indisputable prove that he resurrected from the dead and he says and this is what i want you to do you want to know something is not much different than what he told him when he was still on earth with him 
Here we, he's talking about one of the things. The, what is one of the things I want you to do? I want you to go forth and I want you to make disciples. What is a disciple? Uh, being a disciple simply means that you are one, you are a student or you are a proof or you are a pupil or you are one who's looking to be to be instructed, one who's looking to be taught, one who's looking to be disciplined in what? In the things of the kingdom of God. How do you know it's about the kingdom of God? Because that is the only message Jesus preached. Now, he says, he says, not only do I want you to go forth and make disciples of all nations. So it's not just a couple. It's not just a few. It's not just white. It's not just black. It's not just the Canadians. It's not just Americans. It's all nations, all ethnic groupings. And, and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them or instructing them or disciplining them. But you know what? It's an act of that person's will. You can't force somebody to become a disciple. A person has to make a decision that they want to be, they want to submit to the teachings and that, that is, or the, the one who's doing this teaching, submit to the teaching and allow that person to teach them and to help them to discipline and to and instruct them in the things of God. And he says, not only do I want you to teach them, he says, I want you to teach them to observe or teach them to see or to do all the things which I have commanded you. What did Jesus command us or what was the charge that Jesus gave to us? Jesus gave three individual things that this is this is the things that Jesus taught his disciples. Number one, Jesus taught his disciples from the time he began his ministry. This is what he this is what Jesus taught not only his disciples, but he also taught everywhere he went. He said he made this one statement in accordance to Matthew chapter four, verse 17. This is what he says. He says, from the time that Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, change your mind, change your thinking change your actions why because the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of god is at hand and what did jesus do from the moment he began to say repent change your mind change your thinking change your actions why because the kingdom of god or god's way of doing things our god's governing system is at hand then what did it said jesus did in verse 23 he says and jesus went about all galilee teaching in their synagogues preaching the gospel of the kingdom so jesus is going around preaching the gospel of the kingdom what was it that jesus taught his disciples he preached to them i taught them the gospel of the kingdom of god and what else did he do he went about teaching and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people so that's the, one of the things that jesus taught the disciple what was the other thing he told the disciples he said disciples this is what i'm teaching you this is the same thing i want you to go about teaching in all the other again throughout the nations he taught them to do this throughout the nations it wasn't just in one place it wasn't just in one spot he says this is what i want you to do how do you know that's what jesus told them he told them this in matthew chapter 7 I apologize, Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, and he says this to them. He says, and when he, talking about Jesus, had called his 12 disciples, our pupils, our students, are those who had submitted themselves to the teacher so and dis so that they may be taught our instruction, our discipline in the things of God. This is, after he, he took his 12 disciples, and this is what he said. He said, I have given them power or authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. And then what did Jesus said directly to his disciples? What did he say directly to those who were his students? What did he say to those who were his followers? This is what he said. He said this in verse number seven. He says, and as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is at hand. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely you give. What did he say to them? He says, I'm going to I'm teach you how to repent, change your mind, change your thinking, change your actions, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And when the kingdom of God shows up, you're going to see 
all, healing of all kinds of diseases. When the kingdom of God shows up, you're going to see healing of all kinds of sicknesses. And when the kingdom of God shows up, you're going to begin to heal the sick. You're going to cleanse the lepers. You're going to raise the dead. You're going to cast out demons. When is this going to happen? When the kingdom of God is preached. And when people make a decision to become disciples or become students and to submit themselves. And when you have ministries who will go forth and teach whatever it is Jesus taught. And teach whatever he, he, so, uh, whatever he commanded or giving them charge. And teach them, not only teach them, but teach them to observe, to do. Observe, see it, and begin to do it. See it and begin to do it. Learn it and begin to do it. What is the third thing he also told the disciples that was a vital part of their message? And what you'll hear repeatedly through this ministry. Love one another. Love one another. John chapter 13 verse 34 says this again. Reading from the New King James Version says this. It says, a new commandment I give to you, just as Jesus talking to his disciples. Remember, the key to all this is Jesus is talking to those who have become students, who have submitted themselves, who are being disciplined, are learning how to flow or operate according to the kingdom of God. See, you can't give away something that you don't already have. You can't go and tell somebody else about the kingdom of God if you don't have the kingdom of God uh, understand what the kingdom of God is. You can't go talk to somebody else about the God kind of love, the agape God kind of love, not the phileo kind of love where I love you like a brother or arrows, where which is erotic love. Or you you can't talk. You can talk about that, but he's when Jesus talking about love, he's talking about agape. How do you know he's talking about God? The agape agape means unconditional love. Now now, let me clarify something. Just because you love someone does not mean that you accept everything that they do or you approve of everything they do. I can love you and don't approve of anything that you're doing. My love for you is not based off of you doing everything I think you should do or I agree with everything that you do. And simply because somebody doesn't agree with everything you do does not mean that they don't love you. I know parents, they love their children, but they don't agree with everything that their children do. Heck, my mom and daddy didn't agree with everything that I did, but it didn't change their love for me. They love me enough to tell me the truth. If you truly love somebody, tell them the truth. Why? Because the truth makes them free. John chapter 13, verse 34 says this. Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you you that you also love one another by this by your love for one another he's still talking to his disciples why because love the law of love is a major principle a major law inside of the kingdom of god and why because god is love god does not just have love god is love and it says this by this by what you loving one another just as Christ has loved you. By this, people will know that you are his disciples if you have love one for another. It didn't say by how many miracles that you did. It didn't say by how much scripture you quoted. It didn't say by how many times you went to church. He says, this is how they're going to truly know that you are one of my students, one of my followers, one of my disciplined ones. He says, this is the way they're going to know that you are truly one of mine, your love one for another. Pause and think about that. Think about that. The way that people are really going to know that you have, because the world has a whole different version of love. The world is trying to tell the church what love is. The world is trying to tell you how you as a believer are supposed to be a Christian, even though they don't want anything to do with your Jesus. They don't want nothing to do with your God. They want to hear nothing about your Bible, but they want to be able to try to tell you. Why would you ever settle for that? I can love you and never agree with what you do. It doesn't mean I don't love you. It just means I don't agree with what it is that you're doing. I can, I can, I can sit down and have dinner with you. I, I can have coffee with you. No big deal. But it does not mean, just because I love you, I can say I love you, does not mean I agree. It does not mean we always approve. I, I, I can accept you without accepting everything else that, that goes along with that. 
there's a difference between the two. Now, we're still talking about triumphing through troubled time. Why are you taking time to tell people about the kingdom of God? Because everything about triumphing through troubled times is going to be based off of the kingdom of God, our God's governing system, our God's system, our God's way of doing things and dictating or, or, or uh, uh, legislating or controlling how we operate in according to his way of doing things, which is not dependent upon the world system. See, many people want to prosper. Many people want to increase. Many people want to grow. But according to uh, Third John, verse 2, it says, Beloved, I pray above all things that you prosper, increase, and be in health, be whole, just as or to the same extent to which your soul, which is your mind, your will, your emotion, or your feeling, your choosing, your thinking. You're only going to increase in the things of God. You're only going to increase in God's way of doing things. You're only going to walk in health according to God's purpose and plan as your mind, your will, and your emotion is prospering or increasing in understanding the kingdom of God or God's way of doing things. So you're waging war. Whether you realize it or not, you are waging war every single day. How? What are you waging war against? See the difference? When I was in the military, we knew who, I, who, are, who the enemy was. But in this thing called life, many people don't realize that they are in a battle or war every single day. Who are you fighting against? Am I fighting against my neighbor? Am I fighting against my brother? Am I fighting against my mother? Am I fighting against the government? They are only pawns in the game. Let me help you understand that. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 3 says this, talking about waging war. And where's the battle won? In your mind. You're going to win or you're going to lose the battle in your mind. But why is that? Because according to Proverbs 23 and 7, as a man or woman thinks, how you process information, because you hear words which produces a thought, which produces emotions, which produces decisions, which produces actions, which will produce your destiny. If you don't, if you want to change your destiny, you got to change your actions. If you want to change your actions, you got to change your emotions. If you want to change your emotions, you got to change your thoughts. And if you want to change your thoughts, you got to change the words that you're allowed to hear come in your ears, go through your eyes, or come out of your mouth. It all begins, the battle is won or lost in your mind first because as a person thinks so they become in jesus name now according to second corinthians chapter 10 verse 3 it says this it says for though we walk or live in the flesh i'm reading out of the amplified we are not carrying out our warfare because it is a battle the basic way to understand the bible you have a kingdom you have a king who established the kingdom who had children he gave his children a command the children violated that command and they and they bowed their knee to the adversary or they bowed their knee to another way of thinking. And when they bowed their knee to the way of another way of thinking, they acted out on what it is that they thought. And when they acted out on what they thought, they violated that command and they went from the kingdom of God and they they transitioned themselves over into another kingdom, which is known as the kingdom of darkness. The adversary, Satan, could not make them break the commandment. They had to make a choice. But what did he do? He presented another thought or he presented a, more words. And those words were perverted. The reason why they were perverted, because perversion means to take something that is true and change it into something else. And, and which is much worse. And what he did, he took what God said, he twisted it just enough, and he just twisted just enough to make it a lie. And when Adam and Eve made a decision to have more confidence and trust in what it is that he, the adversary said, even though God had already said something different, then they, they heard what he said, they produced thoughts that came with feelings, that helped that presented a decision that created an action and it changed their destiny. They were the deciding factor. The adversary couldn't make them do anything. Can I give you a news flash? 
he can't make you do anything either if you understand you the greater one is on the inside of you if you are a believer if you're not a believer you don't know whether he who's leading you whether it's you whether it's the adversary or whether it's the holy spirit the only way you're going to know that is when you have other people who are disciples other people who are disciplined other ones who have met who who have the word of truth and they begin to share it with you and begin to disperse it to you and begin to, sh to show you through words and through deeds, how your life could be so much different and so much better when you make a decision to do it God's way. I'm not talking about religion. Jesus didn't come to establish a religion. Jesus came to reestablish the kingdom of God. He came to reestablish the kingdom of God. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 3. It says this. Still reading out the Amplified, it says that though we walk in the flesh, we are not carrying out our warfare according to the flesh and using mere human weapons for the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons against flesh and blood so i'm not even though i'm interacting with you my battle was not with you as much as it is the spirit that is behind that will can influence you to do things to try to come against me to try to persecute me to try to bring about affliction to me but see just because you are influenced by it does not mean that you're possessed by it in jesus name go ahead it says this it says so our weapons are not against are not mere flesh and blood but they are mighty before god what does god's weapons do god's weapons help us to overthrow for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds strongholds are fortified patterns of thinking that you guarded that you might have learned it when you was a child when you was in your mother and father's house you might have learned it through university you might have learned it on your job you might have learned it through li your life experiences but it's a fortified pattern of thinking that will dictate how you respond to situations and circumstances that you get in and it's almost second nature because you have been you have had this pattern of thinking for so long it's like a like a mule who's on a tread you know if you ever been to a horse ranch you'll find out that that horse has been on those same paths for so long you don't really have to say giddy up all you got to do are try to steer the horse the horse has been so trained to walk on that same path it's almost like you're being the horse is on autopilot and when you're operating according to strongholds it's like you're on autopilot something happens and this is how you respond something happens and this is how you respond every single time but god says i've given you weapons that are mighty that are there to pull down and overthrow those wrong patterns of thinking one of those weapons is his word another one of those weapons is prayer another one of his weapons is praise and worship another one of his weapons is the holy spirit he says i've given you these weapons so that you can overthrow and for the overthrow and destruction not the not the to breaking up but to destroy wrong patterns of thinking what kind of thinking what kind of wrong pattern of things where do these things come from what what does it look like what are you doing you're pulling off or tearing down arguments or theories or reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of god so what do you what are these what are uh, wrong patterns of thinking or fort, wrong fortified patterns of thinking anything any argument or theory or reasoning or lofty thing that tries to lift itself or exalt itself up above what the true knowledge of God says so any 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 theory any reasoning any argument any belief that you have that tries to hold a higher place in your life than what the Word of God has to say God said I've given you power I've given you weapons to be able to overthrow and pull down and destroy and put those theories off and to pull that thought down i won't receive that thought about that i'm gonna die because the word of god says that by jesus stripes i'm healed i won't receive that that argument says that that i'm gonna be broke all the days of my life because my mama was broke my daddy was broke my cousin was broke my nephew's broke no i pull that thought down that wrong pattern of thinking down because god's word says because i seek first the kingdom of god all these things have been added to me he also said at the beginning of this message I will increase and be in health to the point which my mind, my will, and my emotions is increasing in the knowledge of the kingdom of God. When I make a decision, I'm going to be a disciple. When I make a decision, I'm going to submit to the word of God. When I make a decision that the word of God is the final authority in my household, every direction I'm going to make is going to be based off of his word. Remember, 
the part of the word, what the word does is brings about correction. It brings about reproof. It brings about conviction. It also brings about, helps you to come into obedience to the things of God. So what do you, what must you do in order to be successful as a believer? What must you do to be prosperous and in health in this life and to be able to overcome and triumph through troubling times, no matter what that situation and circumstance is, you must renew your mind. So many people, so many believers are struggling today because they have not made a decision. They have not made it. They have not become intentional about renewing their minds by the word of God. So what happens when the situation and circumstance come up like it did last week? When that when those strong winds was going on, and the, and, and the thunderstorms and the tornado was going on. Do you know what we was doing? We didn't. We weren't afraid. This is what we did. My, uh, Pastor Jordan and myself, we were riding through the storm. In fact, we was riding alongside. We didn't realize that at the time, but we was riding alongside of You know what we began to do? We began to speak to the wind because we understood we had authority over that situation. And we told that wind, when you will cease in your maneuvers, you will desist in your operations. Where we was going, that wind died down. And, and when we was driving, we drove all the way into our neighborhood. And we was driving, a tree fell, but it was like a, a ways away from us. And it fell on the road, but it it, it was not even it did not even come near us. We drove into our community, which we pray for every single day. We plead the blood over this community every single day. We, pr we pray Psalms 91 over every member of this community every single day can i tell you what happened the only tree in the entire neighborhood that fell down was my neighbor's tree and it was the perfect storm it it was a tree that fell and when it fell it fell between two light posts landed in his driveway didn't even go into the street and he actually went when we found out what went on we went out there and the whole neighborhood came out to help him cut the tree up stack the logs and everything and we began to share what do you think we begin to share how blessed we are how you know what, what psalms 91 psalms 91 is so real psalms 91 when we pray this we pray and we begin to worship god and i was saying that night a thousand should fall on our side ten thousand our right hand all around our community within 10 to 15 kilometers there was little to no damage does that mean that God was behind the rest of it? No. What I said is, Lord, where did we miss it on our post? Because no damage should come near the, this city. No damage should come near this community. So what do we do? We stayed on the word of God. Now, why am I saying that to you? Because if we would have responded just like the world did, we would have got in fear. We would have got in, uh, in, in unbelief. We would have started pointing the fingers. We would have been getting to blame God. We got mad at God. Nope, that'd be foolish. God is never your problem, but he is your solution. You must renew your mind by the word of God in order for you to operate according to the kingdom of God. Remember, there's two kingdoms, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of darkness. Adam and Eve, when they first came on the scene, they operated according to the kingdom of God. When they yielded to the adversary and bowed their knee and disobeyed God's law according to the kingdom, they, by default, entered into the kingdom of darkness. When they ended up in the kingdom of darkness, they had to be restored back into right position. How, were they, how did we get restored back into right position? When God told the adversary in the garden of Eden, he says, you will told, he said, your seed will bruise the woman's seed. Now, how many people know the woman don't have a seed? Your seed will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. In other words, he's going to take back all the authority that you believe you got. He's going to take back all the dominion that you think you have. He's going to take back all the power you think you have. And he says, and you are going to be under his foot. And when he do it, the day that Jesus came on the scene, he went to the cross. He shed his blood for you and me. What happened when he resurrected from the dead? He came back with all authority. He came back with all power. And what did he do? He gave that a power and he gave that dominion to you and to me. And when we begin to operate according to the kingdom of God, what happens? We think like him. We talk like him. 
We walk like him because we made the decision to become students. We made a decision to become disciplined ones. We made a decision to become pupils to learn and increase in wisdom and knowledge and understanding about the kingdom of God. We made a decision to do exactly what Jesus said, to repent, change our mind, change our thinking, change our actions. Why? Because the kingdom of God is at hand. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says this. He says this. He says, do not be conformed or fashion to this world or this age are the systems of the world. See, there's a financial system, there's a government system, there's a health system, there's a money system, there's all kind of systems that are in this world and they go polar opposite to the things of God. He says, don't be fashioned or adopted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed, be changed by the entire renewal of your mind by its new ideals and its new attitudes so that you may prove for yourself. People say, you never know what God's will is about a situation. You can if you get in his word. You can when you begin to make his decision to become a disciple, when you make a decision to become a student, when you make a decision to let the word of God become the final authority. Man, I made a decision I'm going to be a disciple. I made a decision I'm going to be taught in the word. I made a decision I'm going to follow after him, and I'm going to renew my mind every single day according to the word of God so that I can prove for myself what is that good what is acceptable and what is the perfect will of God even a thing which is good and acceptable and imperfect in his sight for you God has a plan for you God had a plan for you from the foundation of the world God still has a plan for you but you have to make a decision to cooperate because he will never go against your will you can't go against somebody else's will. You can't, God won't. Did you hear that? You can't go against somebody else's will. You can't and God never will. Now, Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 24 that troubled times will come. And that's why we're sharing this message. Not to get you in a fear, not for you to get scared, but I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't ignorant means to not know. I don't want you to be blinded when all these things are happening. You thinking, where is God in all this? When God says, I've been telling you and I'm sharing with you that all these things are going to come. But I'm also going to give you a solution, a way out. He says this in Matthew chapter 24, verse number six. Jesus, his disciples, is asking him, hey, when is this, what is the indicator, a sign of your, your second coming? And when, will, when is the end of this age, this current age, this age of grace, the church age, whatever you want to call it? And Jesus said this. I'll read out of Matthew chapter 24, verse six. Uh, according to the New King James Version, it says this. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. He says this, for nation will rise up against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, and there will be pestilence, and there will be earthquakes in, in various places. All these things are the beginning of the age. All these things are the beginning of the age. He says, in the beginning of sorrows, he says, then they will deliver you up to the per to tribulation and they will kill you and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. He says, and then many will become offended and they will betray one another and they will hate one another. And he says, and then many false prophets will rise and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound the love of many will grow cold he says but for those who will endure to the end they shall be saved what that word saved means delivered set free made whole brought about through salvation he says you shall be saved and what else did he says and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached what 
this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations and then the end will come so jesus says all these things are going to begin to happen and you're going to be seeing wars you're going to hear about wars and rumors of war and, and nation will come against nation and kingdom will come against kingdom he said you will see pestilence and, and famines and earthquake and all these things he said but don't get trouble don't be afraid why because all these things are the beginning of the end of this age he says they are merely birthing pains and he says and when all these things is going on he says this is the other thing that's going to be going on and this is what needs to happen during those times the gospel of the kingdom of god shall be preached the gospel of the kingdom why because the world system its systems its system its government system its financial system its health system all those things will be failing he says but when you preach the gospel god's kingdom god god's way of operation god's governing system he says he says when you seek first that kingdom which there's no there's no financial setbacks in that kingdom there's no deficit in the health there's no deficit with the government system there's no deficit and providing for your needs he says when you seek that kingdom when you see god's way of doing things all those other things that you've been looking for the world to he says all those other things will be added unto you see in god there's always a solution according to first corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 it says this there is no temptation no test no trial no tribulation that has taken you but such as common to man but god is faithful <laughs> say god is faithful god is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able but with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it now many people read that scripture and say that god is the one who brings about the temptation god does not bring about the test and temptation but he always has a way of escape when you make a decision to follow him and do it his way have you made a decision today to follow him and to do it his way? Have you made a decision that says, you know what, Lord, I've been seeking the world's way of doing. I've been operating according to the world's way, and I didn't even realize I was operating to, according to the world's way. I didn't even realize that I was supposed to become a disciple. I didn't realize I was supposed to become a student. I, I've heard a lot about religion, and I've heard a lot of people say a lot of different things, but I didn't realize that I was supposed to one understand that you only taught one message and that was to repent for the kingdom of god is at hand that you had told the disciples those who made a decision to follow you to go out and share the same message and to do the same things that you did when you was on earth even after you ascended and also that i'm supposed to love others just like you love me but lord i make a decision today i make a decision today to turn i'm going to do exactly what you said i'm going to repent i'm going to change my thinking change my actions i'm gonna change my thoughts my mind and my actions and come and begin to do it your way i'm going to make i'm going to make myself available to become a student today i'm going to make a decision to become a disciple today i thought it was a disciple but now i understand what i'm supposed to be a disciple about because when all these troubled times begin to happen the one thing that's going to be going on is the kingdom of god god's government system god's ability to meet the needs of mankind apart from the world system must be taught and preached and proclaimed because that system never fails in order for you to get it though <laughs> you gotta ask you gotta ask you have to inquire of the lord matthew 6 9 says this jesus says, after this manner therefore pray or petition the king says our father which art in heaven holy holy is your name your kingdom come your your governance system come your will your your lifestyle your nature your culture come your original intent be done in my life now lord i want life on on earth just like it is in heaven lord i want that life that jesus came to give that zoe kind of life the god kind of life i'm going to seek first your kingdom i'm going to follow your ways i'm going to make a decision to become a disciple today i'm going to get under the teaching of the kingdom of god so i can learn how to be a door i can operate it i have an understanding of it i'm going to increase 
in my knowledge and my mind and my will and emotions is going to be able to change and I'm going to pull down those old way of thinking and I'm going to put on that new way of thinking and I'm going to walk like it and I'm going to talk like it and I'm going to act like it because that's what Jesus came to do to restore to man life as it was before sin ever happened. I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. It's simple. It's simple. How do you do that? Jesus said to, John, to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he says, you can't even understand or perceive God's way of thing, doing things unless you are born again. That's the only time Jesus ever talked about being born again. When he's talking to Nicodemus, you must be born again. You can't go back in your mother's womb. Nicodemus said, can I go back in my mother's womb? Nick, Jesus was like, I'm not talking about going to your mother's womb. I'm talking about your spirit, man. The real you making the decision to believe on Jesus. He says, who, he says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life or have the zoe, the eternal life, the life that God had originally came to give man. They should have life and uh, they should have eternal life. And I want to give an opportunity for you to receive that right now. If you have never received Jesus before as your personal Lord and Savior, and you want to do so right now, I want to help you to be able to do that right now. And according to Romans chapter 10, verses 8, 9, and 10, that says this. It says the word of God is near you. It's in your heart. It's in your mouth. That's the word of faith which we preach. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So pray this prayer with me. Confess it out of your mouth, mean it from your heart. Here we go. It says, Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I do believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe he died for me on the cross and carried my sins for me. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. I repent of sin. I'm sorry, Lord, I receive your offer of forgiveness. Right now, I'm born again. Right now, I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. Right now, I am in right standing with God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, I want to welcome you, welcome you, welcome you into the kingdom of God, welcome you back in the right relationship, welcome you into right position. So what do you do now? Now that you've made a decision, hey, I'm I'm born again, now I'm in the kingdom of God, you got to do exactly what it says to do. It says you have to become, make a decision to become a disciple. What's a disciple? One who is a student, one who's a follower, one who's willing to get under the teaching and instruction of one who's teaching about the kingdom of God so that they may understand how the kingdom of God operates so that they can begin to apply it to their everyday life. We believe the Ignite is that place. In fact, that's our mandate, to teach people how to operate according to the kingdom of God, show them how to go forth and do the works of the ministry, and also to operate according to the love of God. We're here every Saturday at 5 p.m. here on, on site, or you can catch us online if you're too far away, or you can catch us by way of podcast at Ignite, the number two life uh, audio podcast, Ignite, the number two life audio podcast and you can catch this message and all the other messages that we've preached up to this point on behalf of minister jewin and the entire night nation i want to thank you for joining us tonight and remember it is god's desire for you to triumph through troubling times we'll see you next week god bless you bye-bye